This morning, I feel that I have a word of encouragement from the Lord, if I ever have in my life, for encouragement. Hallelujah. It's been on my heart for a few weeks, just a simple title, The Kingdom of God. May the Lord add the blessing and his blessings to this message this morning. It doesn't take a Bible scholar to recognize that we're living in some perilous times right now. There's no sense of security in the world that we live in. Fear has gripped the hearts of people inside of the church and outside of the church. People are afraid of economic collapse, terrorism, wars, and sickness. This virus has become top stories in the headlines, and it has almost but stopped the world from spinning. But somewhere up in the heavens, I'm led to believe there is a divine creator who is still sitting on his throne. I'm here to tell you he ain't biting his nails. His hands ain't sweating. He's not panicking. He's not patting his feet. He's not confused. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. He was high and lifted up. We serve a God that is above what we're facing today. That is why we can stand up here today and say, I am not afraid because our hope is in our creator who is high and lifted up, amen? But down here on earth, unfortunately, it seems to be a little different. I noticed how some politicians, some news channels, and some of the marketing companies have taken every advantage to capitalize on the fear of the people. Fear is a tactic that the enemy has used, and the world's system uses it for its benefit. Say this with me. God has not given me a spirit of fear. Believe it when you say that. I found two acronyms that give you a choice on what you could do with the word fear. You could do number one, forget everything and run. Or you could face everything and rise. This morning, I declare this church is going to face everything that we are all facing by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are going to rise in Jesus' name because I'm telling you, the Lord is coming back for a glorious church, not a church digging down in the mud. The, the Lord is coming back for a church full of faith and full of power, and I can't have faith and I can't have power if I'm not standing on the word of God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 through 14. Got a lot of word, a lot of information. I want you to put your seatbelt on and buckle up and hang on because I'm going somewhere with this. Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 through 14. Verse 3 says, And he sat upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Verse 6 says, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. I know at this very moment, that seems like every national leader is on standby right now, ready to retaliate, just waiting for the next move for the other, from the other country against them. We see biblical prophecy coming to pass even in this day. Verse 7 for nation shall rise up against nation, 
and kingdom against kingdom. That word nation actually comes from the word, the Greek word ethnos, which is where we get ethnicity. You could say ethnicity will be against ethnicity or culture will rise up against culture. We see that today. Kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. There's famines in many countries in the world and it's been like that for a while. Most of us understand that pestilence is just another word for epidemic. And the epidemic, the definition of the word epidemic is a contagious or infectious disease that is virulent and devastating. Why don't we go to this word first? He already told us what was going to happen. If we understand that God is already in the future, less reason for us to fear. He told us that what we're seeing today was going to happen. Earthquakes. It wasn't just back in January. A 3.8 magnitude was felt down at the Kentucky-Tennessee line. Earthquakes in different places. Who would have thought? Verse 9 Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of nations for my name's sake. We see in the Bible that the disciples, some of them were martyred for following Jesus. And today's culture in other countries, they were being killed for serving Jesus. But there is grace over this country right now. We have a covering, and we need to take advantage of every second that we have. I don't agree with everything that our president says and does, but he has given the church a little bit of room to still serve God. We still have religious freedom in the house today, and we need to be thankful to God for that because in the future, it won't be this easy to come to church and just be comfortable. You will have to fight. You will have to seriously believe what you say you believe. Verse 10 says, And and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Have you ever seen and heard so much hate in this world? Never in my life. Verse 13, I love this. But he who shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. That lets me believe that there are people in this world that hasn't heard the gospel of the kingdom, or he would have already came. Because it seems like that everything up into that last thing has come to pass. We're seeing that. What this passage tells me is that there is no hope for the kingdoms of this present world that we live in right now. But why? Why can't we help ourselves in these situations? If God created mankind to rule, why can't the world system work? Well, we're going to do a little history lesson here. I heard a minister explain it best when he began to, to describe a term that we learned back in history class called colonization. It's simply... When an imperial, imperial nation or central power takes over or influences another territory. For instance, there were countries like Haiti, who was colonized by Spain in the late 1400s. The Spanish sent their governors to rule and enforce their laws. Their purpose was to make Haiti just like Spain. At the start of the Haitian Revolution in 1791, 
the Haitian people rebelled against the government and eventually cut the ties from Spain. They disconnected their cells from the imperial power or the central government and were no longer attached. After doing some research, I found out that at one time before the rebellion, Haiti was one of the world's richest colonies, the world's most productive. Now it is one of the poorest countries in the world. A colony is as wealthy as its imperial power. A colony is as wealthy as its imperial power. And like I said, I'm going somewhere with this. I want you to hang on. In the beginning of creation, God, in a sense, colonized the earth. He brought what heaven was like down to this land. He formed man and woman. He gave them dominion as governor, so to speak, of the earth. Genesis chapter 1, we know that God gave dominion of earth to man. One writer said, out of love, God created man and gave him dominion and responsibility over the earth. This was an opportunity for man to participate in God's kingdom. And by the way, if you weren't here Wednesday night to hear Sister Marilyn minister, uh, go back and listen to the podcast when you get the chance. It's very biblical, very informative about how we as humankind have the authority that God has given us, but we don't know it. In Genesis chapter 3, in spite of all that God did, Satan convinced the first humans to trust in themselves rather than God's wisdom, leading them to break fellowship with their sovereign creator. Listen to this. Instead of operating out of respect for God's sovereignty, man desired to trust in half-truths and personal desire. The consequence of their sin was that they had to leave the garden, which was a symbol of perfect provision by their sustainer. In other words, they forfeited their position or citizenship in the earthly kingdom that God had created for them and were no longer able to benefit from all manners of physical and spiritual perfection. Adam, by yielding to sin, disconnected himself from the mouth that fed him. He disconnected himself from the imperial power, from the central government of God. The word tells us both in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, as well as the New Testament in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And notice that it was the same devil that tempted Jesus when he quoted that verse to turn the rock into bread that was using that serpent to tempt Adam to just eat the fruit from that tree. And isn't that what Satan does? He'll take a half-truth and try to cause you to believe it. I thank God that what the Bible refers to as the second or the last Adam, who was Jesus, He knew his authority in the kingdom, and he wasn't about to let Satan mess it up like Adam did. Adam didn't take his citizenship. He didn't take his authority of the kingdom that God had given him. Jesus knew it. His authority was from power from God, and Jesus spoke the word, and Satan fleed from him. Somebody say, God has a plan. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 22, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Verse 45 says, And so it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. There will never be a man on this earth that will ever have to redeem us, fix us, 
help us, save us, die for us. Jesus paid it all on Calvary. Amen. He is the last Adam. He is the last option, and he is the only option. When the angel Gabriel announced the birth of Jesus to Mary in the book of Luke, he confirmed that Christ's birth fulfilled God's promise to David. Luke chapter 1, verses 31 through 33 says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. We know that John the Baptist prepared the way for the kingdom to come on this earth. In Matthew 3, 1 and 2, it says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I feel like that is a something that we need to even be saying this day today. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is it's here. Repent, it's here. That reminds me of 2 Chronicles 7.14 that says a scripture that we all know. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. If my people... We are his people. If you have heard the voice of God call you and you've accepted him, you are his people. And his requirements are to live kingdom-minded under the authority that he has given you by his word. After Jesus' birth and all throughout his ministry, the heart of his message was the kingdom of God. Jesus, most of his parables was Relaying back to what the kingdom of God is and trying to explain this. Jesus taught us how to enter into the kingdom. In John 3, 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. If you're not a citizen of the kingdom this morning, you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior of your life to be a citizen, to be able to have what I'm talking about this morning. Jesus taught us how to be kingdom-minded in prayer. Matthew 6, 9 through 13, he said, this is how we ought to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Notice the emphasis was on the heavenly kingdom, not what was going on earth. Jesus never had trust on what was going on with the Pharisees and the Sadducees because he knew it was a failing situation. He knew that it wasn't going to work. So everything that Jesus did, he pointed people to God. In fact, he is the way. He declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the door. He is the door into this kingdom that I'm talking about this morning. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever ever notice in this prayer there are no requests for anything but to further the kingdom of God in fact if you look at verses 7 and 8 which is just prior to this passage it says and when you pray don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do for they think that they will be heard for their many words therefore don't be like them for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him and Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things shall be added unto you. And I've had to repent so many times 
And I'm thankful that God is lenient and he's understanding because I've come to God so often with the things that I need, the, the, the prayers and, and situations that God has the answers to in his kingdom. Jesus always said, the Father knows. God already knows what you need before you go to him. But we are to seek first the kingdom of God. What is his will? What is his plan? How is he trying to further the kingdom of God through my life and through your life? And all too often, I feel like that our our situations get in the way of actually hearing what God wants to do because I believe that there are certain things that we pray about and that we ask God for that in effect we should be thanking him for. In fact, the beginning of the Lord's Prayer doesn't start with asking our Father out in heaven, hallowed be your name, glory to your name, holy is your name. Thank you, Lord, for providing for me. Sometimes I think God wants to hear us thank him instead of asking him so often. Let's start thanking him. If you truly trust that the riches that you need are in heaven, I'm here to tell you that this earthly government cannot supply anything for you. Your finances, your physical, whatever it is, it comes from heaven anyways. But we spend so much time worrying about what we can't get or what we can't do on this earth, what we can't attain when our focus is offset. What we have as citizens of the kingdom of heaven are the ability to attain riches in glory through Christ Jesus. Jesus is the way to get what we need. He said, I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory through Christ Jesus. So God, help us not to focus so much on our needs as opposed to, God, what do you need from me? What can I do for you, God? Because the word promises that as you follow after his will and his word, that that which you need will be added to you. Amen? We don't know who we truly are the power and authority that we actually have. We speak verses like Mark eleven twenty three. 23, for assuredly I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Do we really believe that? The kingdom of God is deep within the spirit of the saint of God and manifests through their character. With a kingdom mindset, you'll find your trust in God will be more secure than it once was. Turn with me to Romans chapter 14. Romans 14, 13 through 19. Talking about the kingdom of God being in us and the kingdom of God should affect our character and how we treat people. Verse 13 says, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who esteems anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if your brother be grieved with your meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him with your meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in these things serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after these things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify one another. 
when you're operating under the kingdom of God, when you're operating in the citizenship of the government of God, that your character will reflect God. How you treat people will reflect how Jesus treated people. If there are things in your life that you may not deem to be wrong, but if it offends someone else, the kingdom of God says don't do it to be a stumbling block to that person. Is our agenda so important that we decide to just make our own rules, make our own law, that we want to do what we want to do and expect God to work with what we have made? But God says, if you want to be a citizen of my kingdom, if you want to have my authority, my power, you've got to follow my laws. We've got laws that are in this land that we've got to abide by. And it's the same in the government of God. We've got to abide by what his word is to have the power that he promises for us. John 14, 23 says, Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Say this with me, the kingdom lives within me. Luke 17, verses 20 and 21, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation, In other words, it's not something you could see with your physical eyes. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is the invisible influence of heaven on earth. Greater is he that is in you because the kingdom is in you than the kingdom that is in this world. I'm gonna say that again till we get this. Greater is he, greater is the kingdom that is in you than the kingdom that we see and we live in this world. That's why we don't have to worry. This kingdom may be falling, this government and the situations and people may be going crazy, but we have a kingdom that is together, that is confident. We have a king of kings and the Lord of lords that is sitting on his throne confident that he's got it all under control if we just believe. Amen. Give the Lord a hand cap of praise if you believe that. I don't no longer want to just quote scriptures like Mark 16 and 17 that says, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons and speak with new tongues, take up serpents and drink anything deadly. It won't hurt them and they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I don't want to just speak that. Matthew 18, 19, and 20 says, Again, I say to you that if two agree together on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. We quote that, but in this world's judicial system, when a person has a complaint against someone and they want to file a complaint or press charges, they need proof and they need a witness. Someone who will agree with them and testify for them to the judge. It's about time that we take authority together and we agree together over the powers of hell. Amen. It's time we agree together. It's time we get together. We join hands. Come here, Sister Terry. 
It's time we start agreeing together in the name of Jesus. God, I come before you. You're the judge. The enemy has got his hands on my life, and I'm declaring in Jesus' name that your word comes against him, God, because your word says no weapon formed against me shall prosper. All those that come against me will fall, so we declare we agree together. We get someone together by faith, and we declare a witness where two or more are gathered together in the midst. I'm telling you, the government comes when you agree with the word of God. When you get someone to agree with you, the word of God follows with you. Hey, this is the authority we have, but it comes from his power, amen? It's agreement. It's time that we've got to start coming together in agreement with each other and stop, stop the discord, but be agreement in the word of God. In the book of Acts, when the church was thriving, they were all of one mind. They were all in one cord. The church didn't even have a need financially. They all blessed each other. They had more than enough. They were the lenders. We have, we have got to... We've got to stop accepting and, and understand that there's more to this. If I'm going to live the rest of my life as a minister, I've got to get a hold to what it says, and I have to believe it. Because I cannot live the rest of my life believing that God can heal and that we could lay hands on the sick and that we can tread on serpents. I cannot live the rest of my life with just simple words telling you what the Bible says without the power of God and experiencing it. It's time that we shake ourselves and say, there's something more to this. This, when the Lord was dealing with me about this message, it was a struggle because my heart believed it, but my intellect, I could not understand it. This is beyond our understanding. And I kept saying, I kept telling my wife and my sister, I kept saying, as I study this, I feel like I'm, this is impossible. It's like breathing underwater. It's just impossible. And I said it over and over, and about three nights ago, I had a dream that I fell in a body of water, and I'm sinking down, and I'm looking up, and I started to panic, and all of a sudden, I started to breathe underwater. And I had such a peace about myself, and I woke up, and I thought about that. And the Lord reminded me that it is not by your might, it is not by your power, but it is by my spirit. If I need you to breathe underwater, if I need you to walk on water, it's my power that gives you. You just stand in my authority and I will give you the power. I may not intellectually understand everything I'm telling you, but I have to believe in my heart that it is real, it is true, and it is time we step out of our comfort zone of just these little what we are raised on, these little Bible stories of stuff that makes us feel good, that believe in God, we've got to start being the citizens of the kingdom of God and taking the authority and using the power because we are living in a day and age where people are looking for the real thing. People are looking not just for a church that talk about what God can do, but actually experience the power of God working through them. They implement the word of God. They, they may not understand it, but they still believe it. And I, I'm telling you that when Jesus told the disciples after he ascended into heaven, just tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. What he's saying is, he's, Jesus came to this earth and he says, I'm going to I'm going gonna, gonna to need to colonize. I need to show people what the kingdom of God is like. Let me show you by action and word. And so he, he taught people what the kingdom of God was like. And when he left, he said, don't worry about it. I'm coming back and I'm going to send the power. You understand the authority 
See, the Old Testament had the authority. He said, but when I send my spirit, I'm going to send you the power so that you can do what I did as citizens of the government. And on the day of Pentecost, they were all in one mind and one accord, and that power came. And the people of the people of God stood up in authority. And it was that power of the Holy Spirit that came upon him. Amen. You cannot appropriate what you believe is not present. In other words, you can't use what you don't think you don't have. You cannot use what you don't believe in. I don't want to talk about what God can do if I don't believe he can do it. My mind goes random sometimes. I was telling this to Sister Marilyn the other day. I just... There's a movie of a man that's lost on an island. You probably know what I'm talking about. And he's there for many years. And he looks out at the ocean. And he knows that he's got to get off this island because he's just surviving. He's just surviving. And after a few attempts, he attempts to make this board and try to get over this big wave. And it knocks him down, knocks him back, and it takes him effort. And he... uh, he times the dates and times when the, when the shore would come in and when the, the sea would come out. And he made his last, last attempt. And his last attempt, he put every effort that he could. He put every ounce and every fiber in his being. He made this, this planks. He tied together and made this pallet and this board. And he pushed himself out to sea. And he got to that wave. And that wave came And he got through it. It wasn't the easiest thing, but he got to the other side. And that's what I feel like that we are right now as a church. We have got to stop surviving. There are things, there are the potential that we have if we can tap into the riches of glory are beyond what we can understand. I'm not just talking up here to make myself excited and make you excited. I am serious about this. The kingdom of God has riches beyond our understanding, and I'm not even talking about money. I'm talking about healing and deliverance and freedom. The church can be the church if they start to become the to fulfill the government that God has set in order through Jesus. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20 validates what I just said. And the New Living Translation, I like it the best. It says, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. We have talked and talked and talked to we're blue in the face and Two or three years ago, I'm just going to admit, I went through a season to where I doubted miracles. I doubted the power of the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues and I doubted the move of the Spirit because I couldn't understand why, why, where is is what the, the church of Acts had. And I went for a season without the power and I became dry and I became desolate. And I said, Lord God, this is beyond words. There is power. This is beyond me just telling you what the word of God says. There is 
power in the word of God. The word of God is alive, it's quick, it's sharper, it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God pierces into your bone, into the marrow. That's what changes you. That's why I feel this so strong because the man of God said in the Bible, this is the word of God is like fire, shut up in my bones. I can't let it out. And we've got to get the, to the point as men, men and women of God that we can, although we may not understand it totally, we're still going to press toward the mark. Because when Jesus told the disciples, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power, I'm sure from the time he ascended into heaven until the day of Pentecost, they didn't understand fully what he meant. All they had to go by was he preached the kingdom. He, he led by example how you operate under the government. And he said, go to Jerusalem and wait, and I'm going to send you the power that I had. That's all they had. That is all we have. We have the power. And in spite of the fact we may not understand it, we still have to wait on God. Because when God promises that he's going to do something, he will do it. Amen. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together, not on earthly places. He made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How in the world can we, how are we sitting with Jesus because we have the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. So we have a direct connection by the power of the Holy Spirit with the man that is sitting on the right-hand side of God, the creator. That is why the Bible says that he made us sit together. What that means is he has given us his same authority. He has given us the same authority that he had when he was on this earth. And not just the authority but the power to implement as citizens of the government of the kingdom of God. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I'm here to tell you this morning in closing, yes, we look around and this situation that we're facing with this sickness, it is troubling. It's troubling that the whole world is shook up and there's not even a cure. There's not even an antidote for this in this government. There's no hope financially for what may or may not happen to this economy because of what's happening and the halt that has been put on this earth in this government, there may be a lack of supply. There may be a lack of hope in this government. But I'm here to tell you this morning, your God shall supply all of your needs, not according to the riches of this world, but according to the riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Your faith can't be on what you see. The word of God says you walk by faith and not by sight. You walk on the word. You're never walking empty. You're never walking in blind space. You're walking on the word. Your hope, your needs, your healing, your faith, everything you need is 
coming from the riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We are in this world. We are in this world because we are in our earth body. We have no choice. But we are not of this world. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. Jesus said, everything that I have, you have. All the power that I had, you had. He said, in fact, you will do greater things than I did on this earth because I go to the Father. He goes to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And this morning, you have to walk in faith. If you are not a citizen of the kingdom of God this morning, I urge you to say yes to Jesus. Because if you're not a citizen of the kingdom of God, number one, you won't benefit from what heaven has. And number two, when the Lord comes back, you will be left behind. And part of Jesus preaching the kingdom was telling people about the kingdom. In fact, he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, it will be power to be bold witnesses. Bold witnesses to pull in people to the kingdom of God. Through the character. This week, when you go to work, if you have to work in the middle of this situation, let the kingdom of God show through your character that you are confident in the God you serve. Bring the kingdom to your workplace. You say, well, I don't understand that. When you come with confidence in the God you serve, that's why you, the Bible says you have favor with man because of the kingdom of God. People will come to you and, and, and want to feed off of you. They'll say, how do you have this confidence in the middle of this turmoil? Why aren't you afraid? I'm not saying you're not supposed to be cautious because truthfully, we do need to be cautious, but we don't have to be afraid. Why? Because my riches and my healing and my protection and my covering is not of this world. My covering and our covering comes from heaven, amen? If you would, stand with me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say this with me. Say, oh yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the King. Do you believe it? Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap, clap of praise. The kingdom is within you, church. Bring the kingdom with you wherever you go. Act like you're a citizen of the government of God. Act like you're a citizen of heaven. The Holy Spirit will lead you in how to be a citizen. Reflect the glory of God outside of these four walls and you watch how the kingdom of God will grow. I asked them to sing this song and I want to read you the first verse of the lyrics and I want us to come down to these altars and praise God that we are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. We've got covering, we've got protection, we've got supply 
that is not of this world. We've got health and healing and covering and protection that we cannot see, but we know through the word of God. It says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. His anointing is empowering. The kingdom of the Lord is within me and he's calling me to the heavenlies. Church, he is calling me and he's calling you to be heavenly minded, not earthly minded. He's calling you to heavenly things, to have a heavenly understanding of what God has given us and the authority and the power by which we are to use that authority on this earth to further the kingdom of God. Would you come this morning and let's worship God because we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Amen.